All right, let's get back to these phone lines. It's going to be Tracy and James and John, and I'll get a name online, number one, in just a minute. But good morning, Tracy. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I, I have three questions, and the first one is rubber plant um, plumeria fig. Will the deer eat them? Um, do you have a lot of deer or a few deer? I would say a few Okay, in the backyard. Because none of those are plants that they are really attracted to, um, especially the fig and the rubber plant are closely related, and they have that white milky sap that just doesn't taste good. But a hungry deer will eat almost anything. Um, your plumeria, again, it's not something they really like, but if you can screen them away from it, uh, it would be a good idea, especially the plumeria. And here's the reason that deer can't just bite off something and taste it. They have to grab it in their mouth and then literally rip it off if they want to get a taste of it. Plumeria is a little bit more fragile than your rubber plant or your fig, either one. And I worry that the deer would do damage just in effect tasting it, even though I don't think they'll really eat any amount, large amount of it. So, um, uh, probably you're going to be okay. Now, if you lived in Hollywood Park or, you know, one of these Fair Oaks ranch where they're just totally overrun with deer, nothing is safe. But I think if you have just a reasonable number of uh, deer, those three are going to be among your more deer-resistant deer plants. Okay, perfect. And then the second question is also deer-related. Okay. I have this house plant that looks, I don't know what it's called, but it looks like a, a, a feathery palm. Okay. It's that's hard. I mean, you see, I don't even know what it is, but I wondered if if I put it on my back porch, if the, the deer would eat it. <laughs> now, I don't even know what it's called. I wish I did. Is it very fine leaves or the yeah. leaves? Okay, it probably. I'm guessing. Um, uh, it's either some one of the asparagus, like uh, the so-called Ming asparagus, or it could be one of the aurelias um i tell you if i were going to put that well, out i can but, look it up i can look up those and for myself and then i can see if it's one of those and maybe you could give me the answer for both okay well look up uh ming fern is one thing it's called that's asparagus merioclatus um the uh the different aurelias the technically their genus is polycius p-o-l-y uh let's see p-o-l-y-s-c-i-a-s i believe and uh, take a look and see if it is. Those are the most feathery things I can think of that would probably do well inside. If I were going to put it out, I'd probably spray it with a little deer repellent just to be on the safe side. And if it is one of the Aurelias, one of the Polycius, don't put it out yet. They don't like temperatures below about 65 or 70 degrees. They're real cold sensitive. Okay. The asparagus, on the other hand, it'll go all the way down to freezing without damage. So check those out and get back with me, and I'll help you further. Okay, and then, oh, my gosh, this clover issue um, I have. Now, it's not like the little clover that you see. Mm -hmm. It looks oxidium. Is there such a thing? Um, Oxalis. like a oxalis. oxalis. That uh -huh. looks like kind of a, a bigger clover with yellow flowers, and it kind of trails. Um, could be probably is one of the different forms of oxalis. Is this out in your yard? 
It's everywhere, though. I mean, I think maybe I, I spread some seeds of no. some kind. I've- no, it's it. They make little seed pods, and those seed pods burst. Each one of them is full of seed, and they can throw the seed several feet. It is everywhere this spring because okay. because of the weather. We've had weather that has been cool enough that our grasses just have not started growing yet. It's been perfect weather for weeds, and I'm still going to tell you all you really need to do is just keep it mowed down. We're going to get to warmer weather. Your grass is going to come out and start choking it out it's just that none of the grasses have really started growing the bermudas are still semi-dormant uh, as are the zoysias even saint augustine is putting on very little new growth so the weeds just have the upper hand right now but as we warm up and especially if we get a little bit of rain uh the weed problem is going to disappear pretty much so i'm going to tell you just keep a mowed off if you need to to kill them out more effectively in an area where you don't have other plants up and growing you can make that mixture of vinegar and orange oil two ounces of orange oil to a gallon of vinegar and a little dish soap uh you can spray that on and it'll kill them back you know within minutes but the weird uh, thing is i like it i think it's pretty well then in that case just (laughs) enjoy it and uh but it's going to be there it's going to go away as soon as it gets hot Okay, and I forgot my other question, so when I think of it, I'll I'll call back. (laughs) Write them down, Tracy. Yeah. I know, usually I do, but today I didn't. So (laughs) anyway, I'll call back if I think of it. I'll look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right, it's James' turn. Good morning, James. Yeah, good morning. Just had a quick question. I got a key lime tree in the backyard I bought last year. Okay. And I guess... Bought it last last year around this time, and we haven't really seen much production from it, other than the dogs wanting to eat the dirt underneath it. <laughs> well, um, key lime, of course, needs full sun. It likes regular fertilizing. The nice thing about key limes is that they are different from lemons and tangerines and things lemons and tangerines and grapefruit and all they pretty much bloom in the spring and produce all their fruit over a fairly short period in the fall your key lime also known as little mexican lime uh, can bloom anytime can produce uh, limes at any time so you won't ever get the huge mass of fruit at one time that you might get on a Myers lemon. But on the other mm-hmm. hand, they should bloom. If they're getting adequate sun and adequate water and nutrition, um, they should bloom off and on pretty much all year round. Just be sure they're uh, in, in like 100% full sun. Uh, feed them. If you use a liquid fertilizer like Hastro or something, feed them every couple of weeks. Um, and is, is key lime in a pot or is it in the ground? It's in a pot. Okay. Um, I, I would say step up the fertilizing, be sure it never gets dry, be sure it's out in the full sun. And I think you'll be in pretty good fruit production pretty soon. Okay. And then on the second question, I have a pretty good clover problem in the front yard. Okay. Um, and one of a friend recommended just weed and feed. I wasn't sure if that was a good option or not no it's a terrible option it's uh the (laughs) material that's in there is carcinogenic plus it sees everything except grass as a weed which means uh it would take several applications to kill 
your shrubs and your trees and everything else, but weed and feed, in my opinion, should be banned from the face of the earth. It's uh, carcinogenic. <laughs> It'll give your pets cancer. And anyway, I my answer on clover right now is just uh, mow and fertilize. Your grass just mow hasn't. Yeah, your grass just hasn't started growing yet, and it's clover actually helps to build the soil. Clover is a legume, has little nodules on the roots filled with bacteria, which actually provide some fertilizer and help with softening the soil so it's a nuisance at this time of year but uh our grass is just it we just haven't had enough warm weather for our basic turf grass to start growing as soon as we do as soon as it starts getting hotter um the grass the weeds are going to die out and the grass is going to take over so don't uh don't poison your your pets and family uh just just mow it fertilize it and don't worry about it Okay, and final question. Um, I ha- we moved into the house two years ago, and there was this plant in the front yard, and it grows vertically. Very, It's almost like stalks. Okay. And then it grows out at the same time, and then at the top of the stalks, every once in a while, it, it'll bloom. Uh-huh. And then it has, like, little pods that have, like, almost cotton-like seed structures that come out. It looks almost like a, they're palm fronds, but... Okay. Are the blooms really, blooms white or what color are the flowers? Red or pinkish red. Okay, and how how tall does it get? I mean, it's gotten. It's probably the tallest I've let it get has been about eight feet. Um, I'll, and I'll trim it back, and then it'll keep, it keep. I mean, I'll trim it back and trim it in, but then it just kind of keeps going, and so I wasn't sure the best way to actually prune it and trim it and stuff. I suspect, and it produces, it'll produce one stalk that comes up and blooms, and then it'll produce another stalk that sort of comes up next to it, and then another one, the, the same stalk doesn't bloom over and over? No, the, the same stalk will bloom over and over, but it's probably, from the base, it probably has about 20 stalks now, and it's probably about four feet across the, okay. the actual not the base but the entire from one stock to another uh-huh from or from one the furthest left to the furthest right stock it's about four feet okay and it's it just it, it's getting out of control okay um do you know what oleander looks like um, not off the top of my head now okay look up oleander o-l-e-a-n-d-e-r uh, the botanical name is Nerium, N-E-R-I-U-M. Um, but, uh, and it blooms mainly spring and summer? Yeah. And it's fairly woody? Yes. It'll, okay. The base actually looks like a tree trunk where the stalks are green, but yeah. Okay. It, I, you're, what you're describing sounds a lot like oleander, um, and uh, it is a very toxic plant, so uh, be careful in handling it. It's one of the more poisonous plants out there. Not to discourage you from growing it. Apparently, it tastes terrible, and uh, you know animals tend to stay away from it. Just if you've got kids, especially young kids, be sure not they're not sticking any portion of it in their mouths. But that that sure sounds like an oleander. Look up oleander, and uh, and if that's not it, call me back, and we'll work on something else. But I think you're looking at an oleander. Okay, and now with that, do you recommend just keeping it 
just keep knocking it down and knocking it over? Or? It actually, um, you're better when you need to prune it, take those stems that have gotten real tall and cut them way back. Cut them down to a foot to 18 inches in height. It's going to keep on making new growth outward from the base. And uh, if you want maximum flowering, don't just go through and cut back the whole thing. Cut back the longest stems periodically and then let the others grow up. And as they get longer, cut them back and it'll continue to make newer and shorter ones from the center. Okay. Awesome. Appreciate it. My pleasure. I appreciate the call. Thank you, James. (laughs) Goodbye. All right, it's going to be John and James, and then my really long distance, John. <laughs> good morning, John. Good morning, Bob. How are you? I'm good, sir. How about yourself? Well, I'm good. I have a good spot for caladiums. I okay. have not planted caladiums in a number of years, and I'm too late probably to order any. So if you buy some from a nursery or uh, various spots, they're usually going to be in a bin or maybe packaged up. I just need a little help on, uh, do I do anything to those caladiums prior to getting them into the ground? And then uh, they come in various sizes. Uh, right. You've got the smaller ones, and then you've got the really big bulbs. Mm-hmm. What, what is your direction on the size of the bulbs, and do you have a recommendation? Okay, so so caladiums 101. Um, first of all, you cannot plant the caladium bulbs until the soil has warmed significantly. Um, probably we're a month early as far as planting caladium bulbs. But if you're anxious to have caladiums, once that bulb is up and growing, you can plant them even if the soil is still fairly cool. And I think you'll start seeing caladium plants uh, in your nurseries probably within the next week to 10 days. So if you're in a hurry to get things started, just go out and buy the little four-inch pots uh, of caladiums and go ahead and plant them. You can buy bigger pots if you like. But if, if you're in a hurry to have the beauty of the caladiums out there, plant the plants rather than the bulbs. If you're willing to be patient and let the soil warm up some, um, here's the thing on caladium bulbs is that in our area they usually are good for just one season if you're in far south texas if you're in florida you can plant the little bitty bulbs and every year they come back and get bigger and better provided you fertilize and take good care of them here we consider them annuals and pretty much replace them every year so uh, if you want the bigger leaves and the most leaves then you'll simply buy the biggest bulbs you can they they are sold as ungraded bulbs number two size bulbs number one size bulbs jumbo bulbs and mammoth bulbs and that's from the smallest to the largest um the jumbos are you know will make the prettiest plants in the shortest period of time and if you want the nice big leaves you just plant the bulbs as is now what the growers do and what you can do if you really want to although it's a a good deal of trouble Um, When you look at a caladium bulb, you'll see the little spot where the growth is going to come out on the top, and you can core that out. You can DI the bulbs. Uh, um, Years ago, when I I worked for a nursery and we cored our bulbs, we used a sharpened spoon. And what happens when you gouge out that little eye that's about to sprout, it makes about four or five or six little sprouts come out around it. The leaves will not be nearly as big but if you want a solid mass of foliage and you want to uh 
and you want to plant from bulbs, you can core the eye out of the caladium, let it dry for three or four days afterwards before planting the bulb. It's a lot of effort. Most people don't go to that trouble. Most of your commercial growers, most of the plants you buy in the little pots, they will have been uh, DI'd, they will have been cored, and you'll get a lot of smaller leaves out of them. But if you want the, the really monstrous leaves, just get the biggest bulb you can afford and, um, like say, wait until the soil's quite warm to plant. There are two basic leaf shapes. One of them is going to be sort of round down on the end. The other is going to come to much more of a point. The ones with a point are referred to as strap leaf caladiums, and they will actually tolerate some direct hot sun, even afternoon sun here in South Texas. Uh, the rounder ones are called fancy leaves. So they will take morning sun, but no hot afternoon sun. So if you're wanting your caladiums in a sunny place, be sure you're getting what they call the strap leaf varieties. Um, if you want the biggest, the widest range of colors, and I think the prettiest of the caladiums, you'll get what they call the fancy leaf varieties. Price is going to be pretty much the same on all of them, but uh, that's sort of Caladiums 101. What did I not cover that you need to know? Well, yeah, most everything. When you core that out, is it you core just a how far down would you core? It's a, you're you're taking out a piece of tissue the size of an English pea. Okay, all right. What you're Very doing good. is basically just it's wanting to sprout, and it has this one eye. It's going to put up several leaves from that one spot. And, you know, they're going to be bigger leaves. You're just taking that eye out, which forces a bulb to form four or five new eyes around it. Uh, so you get a lot more leaves. They're just not going to be quite as big. I appreciate the insight. Thank you. And one thing, we had a caller earlier talking about the bad reaction from uh, the sap of a milkweed. Um, the caladium sap can be kind of caustic. I would put on some very simple, just, you know, little latex gloves or something like that when you core because it, it will burn your skin a little bit if you get too much of that sap on your skin and um, keep your puppy dogs and things away from it. Uh, I'm not going to call them deadly poisonous, but they are very caustic. You don't want any animals to decide to chew on the bulbs, which is what puppies will sometimes do. Bigger dogs, no, they're not going to go after them, but uh, you just need to handle them a little carefully if you're going to core them because it is a, a bit of a caustic sap. Very good. Thank you. You're certainly Have a welcome. good day. You, you do the same. Thanks for the call this morning, John. Bye. All right, James is up next. Good morning, James. Morning, Bob. How you doing? I'm well. How are you doing this beautiful morning? Well, I'm doing pretty good. I'm sitting here watching the bats come back to the bat house. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. They're having a good time out there. Uh, I called to uh, get some information to settle an argument. Uh-oh. <laughs> I guess I'll go for that as long as it's not an argument with your with your spouse. I, I try to stay out of the middle of those, but find myself in them every now and then. What 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 are we trying to settle? Okay, it's plant-related. Uh-huh. You're uh, moving like one gallons up to threes or fives, um, and you're using a, you know, a, like a um, Dina growing green or some uh, that tomato tone. Uh-huh. Do you put that at the bottom of the pot or the top of the pot? I put it on the bottom of the pot. I blend it in the soil best, but if you put it on the top of the soil, 
it's going to stink. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I think about an old uh, old nurseryman friend over in Seguin, and we won't call Joe by name, but uh, he I went over there one time and had taken a bunch of stuff, and he said, "I'm even getting flies in this stuff, and it smells horrible." And I said. Joe, why didn't you put it on the bottom of the pot? And he got this dumb look on his face and said, why didn't I think of that? So you can do either way, but if I'm repotting, I'm going to put it on the bottom of the pot because that's where the roots are. And uh, that way I'm not going to, it's not going to smell like poultry litter out there. That's what I told them, but they wouldn't believe <laughs> I'm glad I was on your side this time. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's basically all I... Uh, all I need to ask you. Well, I got one more question for you. Okay. The Hamblin orange in this part of the country requires a full blazing hot sun. Right. Okay. That answers another question. Man, yeah. I'm getting all my questions answered this morning. Very good. No, it, it's funny. I, I jokingly say because I have people, you know, come in the nursery all the time, and, and it's, it's one of these settle the – settle the argument questions and you give them the answer and they will either do like you said that's what i thought or they say are you sure and if they say are you sure that means they were on the wrong end of the argument (laughs) so anyway it's not a big deal but i always put the fertilizer whether it's growing green or anything else i'll put it on the bottom of the pot rather than on the top yes sir i got a million of them to do so i'll just follow your advice James, you get out and have a wonderful day while you're doing it. It's always fun to talk to you. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Bob. Sure. Goodbye. All right. Let's get back to gardening, back to the phone lines. It is John's turn. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning. How you doing? I'm great, sir. Probably a little warmer than you. Uh, yes, sir, just a little bit. I didn't look at the temperature this morning, but uh, I did see yesterday as I was walking my dog some uh tulips starting to pop up and stuff so we got about i'd say three i'd say three to four weeks before we get was starting to warm up but three to five weeks we'll get stuff going up here oh very good Uh, well uh how can i help you in illinois this morning i can't promise i know your area nearly as well as i know mine but i'll do my best well, I guess uh, gardening is co- sort of universal across the country in a way, but things are different in each place. This is basically on the growing green. What I wanted to do is I had put down some Scott winterizer back in either late November or December, and one of the episodes and where I found you at was a friend of mine been working. They drive an 18-wheeler, uh-huh. uh, a friend of mine's do, and they picked up your show one day. She told me about it, and I picked up, went through, and looked, found the podcast. And okay. I have been enjoying it for the last four weeks. <laughs> I have been getting an education, and your 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 uh, folks down there, and your everything is just really, really great. Well, I appreciate well, anyway, that. Anyway, I had put down, the, I'd put the. Uh, uh, winterizer down mm-hmm. and stuff and you told in one of the episodes there's lady had called in she'd done the same thing and in the beginning of the episode you told her not to aerate but then towards the middle of the episode you said to aerate to help break that down would that be already broken down to where i could put in the uh medina growing green well let me give you just a little bit of fertilizer 101 and when okay. you are using a product like the scotts products um yeah. they are basically synthetic nitrogen they bring no carbon to the table so to speak and they make your soil harder rather than softer and there's nothing in them that will i guess uh 
oh, I don't know the easiest way to put it, they won't bind to the soil. Uh, it's Scott's products, you're lucky if your plants actually get 10% of the fertilizer that's in the bag. The rest goes off to do a good deal of polluting issues. So it's not a fertilizer that I like because, number one, it's not efficient. Number two, it is more polluting. And uh, number three, it doesn't build the soil. It actually breaks your soil down and takes away from the organic material that's already there. Um, your growing green and other organic products, uh, their nutrient is in a different form. It's in what we call a cation instead of an anion. Your plants get basically 100% of the fertilizer. It does not leach away, and it does the job of aerifying. It actually softens the soil as it goes over time, and uh, it eliminates the need to ever uh, aerify products that have synthetic nitrogen like miracle Grow, like Scott's, like so many of the others, they actually contribute to making your soil harder and harder, and you may end up periodically having to go through with a core aerifier. But um, the numbers on the bag of an organic fertilizer, like the Grow and Green, are always going to be lower but the amount of nutrient that the plants get is actually going to be greater. If your growing green says 3% or 4% nitrogen, your plants are basically going to get 100% of it. On your synthetic fertilizers, your plants are lucky to get 10 to 20% of it. So don't worry about the fact that the numbers are lower. But, uh, yes, I would say that uh, you'd be in good shape to put down a product like your growing green or Espoma is another good brand you may find in organics, but the organics don't have to be watered in. They can basically be put out 365 days a year, and I would say your soil is ready for some additional nutrition. So, yeah, I'd be putting it out any time. Okay. Now, if I put it out, let's say, in the next week or so, then how often should I would I do this again? Or would I need to? Um, if you are trying to win Yard of the Month, you probably would do it no. four times a year, the beginning of each season. If you're trying to just maintain a good, healthy yard once in the spring, once in the fall. Okay. Once spring, once fall. Okay. All right. Uh, next question. I have some Creeping Charlie. Mm-hmm. Would that orange oil and vinegar work on that Creeping Charlie just as it starts to come alive? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll okay. kill it back. Uh, it uh, you probably have to spray more than once, but uh, right. um, uh, it, that's universal. Get the strongest vinegar you can, you can find. If you're buying it at the grocery store, that probably your pickling vinegar is going to be about twice as strong as just ordinary table vinegar. Um, your feed source up there might have the twenty percent like uh, we use where we can, but even your pickling vinegar is going to do a good job for you. Okay, pickling vinegar, I got that. Okay, I have a penny bush that when we moved in 13 years ago, the penny bush was as big as a softball. It's still relatively good size, but is there anything that I can put on there and um, that would help? Now, last year I went and got uh, some sheep poop that mm-hmm. I use in my garden. Yep. I've got a 12 by 28 garden, and I use sheep poop. That's all that goes in that garden, <laughs> and I have had a great garden for the last six or seven years i mean sure. we've put up everything only thing wonderful the only thing much better than sheep poop is rabbit poop <laughs> because the, <laughs> the rabbits are eating more alfalfa but that'll be fine on your bush as well okay anything else that i could put in there because i don't know how old they're all, they are or anything like that they've been here since we bought the house mm-hmm. but the uh 
when the lady when we she sold it, we didn't ask her what she was putting on them. If sure. anything, they were just beautiful. She had a she had five she had ten green thumbs. Oh. Is what she had. <laughs> <laughs> well, that same growing green fertilizer that you uh, you know got from Medina that'll work just fine on them as well. Your your sheep manure is uh, is good material, but if you want to boost it up a little bit, something like your growing green would be very good for them. Okay, uh, and um, let's see. Uh, tomatoes. Uh, how tall should I heard you was telling? That's the first time I'd heard about that. Where you dig a hole and then lay a trench and then bring the flower and part out. So, about how tall should that tomato be? Well, that's it, just what you that? do if you've got overgrown tomatoes. Uh, oh, regular oh. tomato plants, just you know, plant them. Um, just plant them two, three inches down in the ground. But if all your supplier has is overgrown ones, then you can use a trench. But most of the time, I'm going to look for a little smaller plant and just plant it about two or three inches deeper than it was already growing. Yes, sir. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try an Ivan tomato, and it was advertised that shown. There was an article about it in the Mother Earth News, uh-huh. and it was uh, a couple of months ago. And it's coming out of Missouri. I've got my seeds, and I'm gonna start them this weekend. I look forward and, to hearing uh, how it does, John. Listen, yeah, I'm so gonna let me out. hold you there because I've got to get three more people in for the top of the hour. Let me give you one other website to check out that you're gonna love, yes, sir. and that is okay. Dirt Doctor DirtDoctor dot com. Okay. That's Howard Garrick's website, and I'll be doing an interview with him right after 8 o'clock, and you can learn a little bit more about it, and um, it's a wealth of information. I look forward to talking again and a little bit longer, but uh, let me uh, oh, let me go ahead and, and talk to Lou real quickly here. Good morning, Lou. Hello, Bob. I do have a real quick question. I got a, a uh, wrought iron fence that I need to put a little uh, barrier up on so that uh, i can block some views from the street so okay seen, and it's all shade so i need to and i want to want it to grow at least four to four to six feet tall uh, and a vine would be okay but just seeing what suggestions you have for that well if you want a if you want an evergreen vine it won't bloom as much in the shade but the fastest thing that's going to cover that fence is going to be star jasmine also known as confederate jasmine uh-huh. and uh you'll have a dense screen on that in less than a year if you want a shrub that will be pretty good size and cover it, there is a uh, type of viburnum with a broader leaf that's called uh, either uh, Chindo, C-H-I-N-D-O, or there's another one called Mirror, M-I-R-R-O-R, Mirror Leaf Viburnum, and those will be a dense green shrub. They're going to take up a little bit of room, but they would you know, totally block that view. If you want something that's going to have a little color to it, take a little bit longer to get six feet tall, but is a really pretty plant. Look at something called Gold Dust Acuba, A-U-C-U-B-A. That's what we have planted on the front of our nursery uh on Shades of Green, we, uh, my business partner cuts it back every year to keep it down to about three and a half or four feet. But it is a real shade lover, and if you didn't prune it, it would get to a good six feet tall. So uh, okay. those be several different ways to fill in that uh, area in front of the fence uh, quickly and beautifully. Now, now that star jasmine, is that something you can grow from cuttings? Because I have one of those, and it's uh, more in a more sunny spot. Uh, you can certainly grow it from cuttings. Uh, we're getting into the time of year when uh, it's very soft wood. You're going to have to wait till you have harder wood to try to root it. 
So if this is something you want to do in the near future, just buy smaller plants. Plant gallon cans because they're going to grow quickly and they'll be less expensive. But if you want to wait till late summer or fall, yes, you can root your cuttings and get more started, but they're not going to take root. Uh, they're just too soft and tender at this point. Okay. Thank you for your help. You're sure welcome. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, let's get back to the phone lines and uh, remind you once again, tremendous seminar over at Shades of Green this morning. I hope you'll come see Donna and uh, see her seminar on doing combination pots with just incredible foliages and flowers. If you want to have your neighbors talking about you in a nice way, come learn how to do it. And uh, again, seminar's free. It's 945 and we'd love to see you. Right now, good morning, Beth. Bob, this I think I'm asking about scale insects okay uh, there are there is a new mexican buckeye plant that has three or four stalks that are about four feet high mm-hmm. tall and up at the very top well about 12 inches down each stalk there are little fat round insects that are black they look like well, they're feeding on that tender new mm-hmm. tissue of the leaves and the flowers, and they're so close together, they remind you of kernels of corn, uh-huh. how the, thick they are. They, But you can actually see uh, little legs and things actually move? Well, I, I, did, I didn't. They were packed so tight, mm-hmm. I didn't notice that, but I took a stick and kind of scraped some of them off, and they were very juicy. Uh-huh. But, what do you think they are, and what I, do we do about it? I think they're aphids, and I think if you can just take your hose and just blast them off. Aphids come in almost every color out there, and um, it's <laughs> it sounds kind of gross. The kids would love it, but they tend to have their mouth parts in the stem. You hit them with a blast of water, uh, the bug goes one way, but its mouth stays embedded in the stem. It literally destroys them and uh, if you wanted to spray i mean you could use uh oh something like the spinosad but i think on those if you just simply blast them off with a stream of water you get 99 percent of them and mexican buckeye is a tough hardy plant it's gonna it's not gonna be it's not gonna suffer for them whether you do anything or not but those pink pink flowers will be prettier they don't look like aphids i know aphids these look like half of pill bug, uh, half the size of a pill bug, mm-hmm. and they're fatter, blacker, and just really packed in. Like I said, like kernels of corn, yeah. and just so thick and black. Yeah, it could be a form of scale, but uh, it just doesn't sound like it. It sounds like, um, but it, well, it sounds like at least something related to an aphid. But uh, all the same, I think a blast of water is all you're going to really need. And you don't have to get 100% of them. If you just get 90% of them off there, uh, your Mexican olive is going to, I'm sorry, your uh, Mexican buckeye is going to go ahead and put on all the pink flowers you could imagine. It's it's a minor problem that's going to affect the flowering. It's not going to affect the health of the plant overall. Well, it really startled me when I saw how thick they they are and how fat and everything. And then the other two Mexican buckeyes that were planted – don't have that at all well the one probably is a little more stressed it may be a little bit buried in the soil plants or bugs always go after the plants that are stressed so be sure that root flare is exposed and like i say just just hit them with a, a blast of water beth let me get sharon in here before the top of the hour sharon how can i help you today 
Morning. Someone gave me a mini rose, and the last one I had, I killed. So I need to know <laughs> what I need to do to this one because I like them. Okay. Well, it needs to be outside. It's not a house plant. Um, oh, it, it's not it, uh, no, it's they, they can be a patio plant and the mini roses will grow just fine in a pot. So, uh, I mean, you can plant it in the ground if you like, but, uh, they're, they're definitely not an indoor plant. They need to be out in the sunshine. Um, they never, ever want to get bone dry. You want to water thoroughly when the soil is dry on the surface, little liquid fertilizer, like has to grow or spoma or something like that every couple of weeks. And if they're getting good, bright sunlight, uh, they should live and bloom and do beautifully for you for years. Uh, the one other thing that they sometimes get is red spider mite. If you get a little bit of liquid seaweed and periodically just spray the leaves, about two tablespoons of seaweed per gallon of water, or you can just make up, you know, enough in a small sprayer. But uh, that'll pretty much um, uh, keep the spider mites away. But uh, main thing is outside and lots of sun. Don't ever let them get dry, and this day it'll last for years for you. If I keep them inside in a bright window, would that be good? No, ma'am. They need to be outside. They don't okay. like the dry air. They don't like dry air inside. And even the brightest window isn't nearly as bright as the spot on your patio would be. So they really need to be outside.